Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. It is really good to see all of you, and my goodness. Uh, so I get to sometimes run the sound, and uh, it's always fun. But one of the, my favorite things is whenever, whenever the vocalists and the instruments die out, what I do is, I, you see this mic here and that mic there? They're getting all of you when you're singing, and you're now like, oh, I'm never going to sing again. But what it does is it actually allows you guys to be heard on our live stream. And so what I do is I just crank you guys up whenever we're in that moment, and like, I got like some chill bumps. Like just hearing you guys shouting out, great are you, Lord, again and again. Like that, that stirred up a pastor's heart. It is a blessing. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. While you're turning there, I have a quick story that my wife told me about something that happened in our kids' class uh, last week that I, I just, I, I think needs to be shared. Um, so as you know, we dismiss our kids to go back and they are working through the New City Catechism. And last week's question was based on the verse, he became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, right? Second uh, Corinthians 5, right? So what my wife did, she was teaching, she had um, little, little banners or little, uh, little emblems that said sin. And then she had little emblems that said righteousness. And she picked one of the kids to be Jesus, right? And, and so basically what she did was she went around and saying, will you believe in me? And, and they would say yes. So they would take every kid that had sin would, be, uh, uh, would give their sin to Jesus. Jesus would throw it away and he would give him the righteousness, right? And so, so what happened was at the end of the, the, the period, they, 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 they go before Jesus in heaven. And, and what, what my wife had this one kid do uh, was say, why should I let you into heaven? And every kid went up to Jesus and said, because I have your righteousness. And they would give Jesus their righteousness, which is like the gospel, right? It's that they give Jesus his righteousness when we get to heaven, not our own, which is amazing. But what's funny was when this kid who would play Jesus would receive it, she would say, thank you very much. Enjoy your afterlife. <laughs> thank you very much. Glad you're here. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Um, I just couldn't help but, but, but share that with you because it just kind of shows you what your kids are hearing and, and, and the gospel that they're hearing. The good news is that they can receive Christ's righteousness simply by faith in him alone, and that's what we go before him and present, not our own goodness. So I just want to share my appreciation for all of our next generation workers, our volunteers, our leaders. We've got Ethan and Jen. We have Austin and Kat. Uh, Austin and Kat doing our teens, Ethan and Jen doing all the other kids, and, and, and their team of volunteers. I just am incredibly appreciative of all. Yeah, I would, I would say thank you. And along that theme, we are in this series on parenting called Like Arrows. We're trying to raise kids who love the King, right? And last week, we were in Psalm 127, which is what gave us our, uh, our title. It says that children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior, right? This idea that every child is like an arrow in that sense. And, and so one of the things uh, that we value here is this idea of Christ-centered families, 
right? The, the, the breakdown of the family itself has been going on for generations, but we believe that Christ and the gospel goes in and rebuilds every family from the ground up. And so we're in this series on parenting. If you're here and you're like, I ain't got kids, go and tune into last week. I told you why it relates to you. If you're going to be belonging here as a church family or if you have grandkids or, or, or you're a guardian of some kind or you're just babysitting, right? You just need to know this stuff. It's a good thing. Um, but one of the things I do want to clarify is last week I mentioned that we haven't had any sermons touching on parenting. Uh, I, I didn't mean it that way. We have, uh, we've done a series that went through all of our values and Pastor Ethan preached on Christ-centered families. It's not that I didn't forget. I didn't communicate that. He preached a really quality sermon. So if you want to go back and hear that one, go hear it. It's on our website. What I meant was as we've gone through God's word through different passages, we've talked a lot about almost every value except this one. And so that's why we're in this series. Real quick, this is our last week. So if you're like, man, is this going to last like as long as the gospel of John has? Uh, it's not, right? It's just going to be done this week. Um, but my intention is to talk about this value in, in Christ-centered families, that we raise up our kids who love the king, raise them up and craft them like arrows that we learned from Psalm 127. One of the things that we learned from Psalm 127 is that kids are a blessing, not a burden. Amen? And, and some of the parents are like, yeah, but this morning is pretty burdensome. <laughs> just <laughs> trying to even get out of bed. One kid just jumped on my face and pulled my hair out. Like, it's just like, that's pretty burdensome. No, I get it. I get it. But they are truly, from God, a blessing. And we talked about how they're like a, a, an arrow, right? We talked about how uh, we actually had a real bow and arrow set here that I borrowed from a real man. It was, praise the Lord for that man. <laughs> I don't own one, which is therefore I don't have real in front of my designation as man. Um, but we had this idea of, of having a quiver and, and, and this idea that Scripture says that we're, to, that, that, that we're to have full quivers, that we're to fill our quivers with them. And so I, I, I had a lot of husbands come up to me last week and thank me for, for, for saying that. Um, I'm still clueless as to why. But anyways, we're... It ended with crafting your arrows and, and talking about the quality of them, not just the quantity, but the quality. And so we talked about this idea of arrow crafting. And, and looking at an arrow, you have five main elements. You have your shaft, which we would relate to the character. You have your knock, which is that little part on the end, the groove on the end that holds them in the bow. We'd say that's their convictions, the things that they really believed to be true. Uh, we had the fletching, which worked as like relationships that guide them along the way. We had the cresting, which is uh, something like uh, painting, or an, which we related to their identity. And then we had, at the end, a sharp point, which is the idea there purpose. We need to shape these things in them. And we, I mentioned that you should be working with your kids in these areas, but I told you that we didn't really have enough time to talk about how. Well, today's going to be kind of like how. Today's going to answer that question. Um, each of the areas of like identity and relationships and character and convictions and mission, like all of those things require very intimate involvement from parents in, in, in teaching and teaching and, and you can go in deep on each one of those. But what we're talking about today is going to just be this overarching sense of how can I be intentional about crafting my kids in all of those areas. One overarching way to do this. Now, I will say uh, we are going to be starting up a Sunday school class on February 5th. Uh, that's the art of parenting. It's already mentioned. And on that Sunday, we are also starting a kids Sunday school class. 
So your kids will be watched while you are in that class. If you would so come, we invite you to be a part of it. Even if you don't have kids or if you just really love kids and you want to learn how to shape them, please come to that. But, but I am going to say that in, in, in that Sunday, class, Sunday school class, we will go in deep on how to shape those very specifically. But, but today is just going to be this overarching sense of what are some ways, some practical tips that we can take from God's Word on how to craft our kids along the way. And our, our conversation, like the, the, the passage that we're in, is just so incredibly vital. So incredibly vital to this conversation because it's so beautiful in the context of where we are in the story of God. So if you're not in Deuteronomy 11 yet, I hope you would get there soon because I want you to see that these aren't my words but the Lord's. But let me tell you a little bit about the historical context of where we are in this book, right? So remember, Israel was in slavery to Egypt and God miraculously and powerfully uh, relieves them of slavery, sets them free, redeems them, brings them through the Red Sea, destroys Pharaoh's army, and le- starts to lead them into the promised land. Along the way, he's on Mount Sinai. He makes his covenant relationship with Israel. They kind of mess up along the way. And then they finally get to the promised land, right? They finally get there, and they send in some spies, and, and the spies come back. And what do they say? Oh, there be giants, there be giants, right? The land looks good, but there's, we're not going to survive that. And so the report was discouraging, and Israel, most of Israel said, let's just go back to Egypt. Let's just go back. And God's like, what? No, no. And so what happens is he leads them to wandering for the 40 next years, the next 40 years, wandering the wilderness as the disbelieving generation dies off and the next generation is raised up. It was a generation that had seen the things in Egypt and God's power and miracles, but, but they were only children at that time. And here they are, led back after 40 years, led back to the promised land. And we're in Deuteronomy, and Moses is rallying them with a series of speeches, telling them God's command, telling them the covenant again before they head into the promised land, which happens in Joshua. So that's kind of where Deuteronomy starts. We have these series of speeches. Chapters 1 through 4 is his first speech where he just kind of, again, tells the story of their deliverance from slavery. And then the second speech from chapters 5 through 11 really recounts the covenants, the commands, what, what God has required of Israel. And so if we're, I, I, I'm going to try to help build up some context to our passage, which is actually going to be verse 18 through 23, but I'm going to start us reading in verse 1 of chapter 11. This is what it says. Therefore, love the Lord your God and always keep his mandate and his statutes, his ordinances and commands. Understand today that it is not your children who experienced or saw the discipline of the Lord your God. His greatness, his strong hand and outstretched arm, his signs and works he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt and all his land. What he did to Egypt's army, its hordes and chariots, when he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued you and he destroyed them completely. What he did to you in the wilderness until you reached this place and what he did to Dathan and Abiram and and sons of Eliab and Reubenite. And when in, in the middle of the whole Israelite camp, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, their households, their tents and every living thing with them. Your own eyes have seen every great work the Lord has done. This is the word of the Lord. 
That's not the Lord. We're going to get to the main pest. But anyways, we always respond with that. But, but what's one of Moses' greatest concerns here that he's trying to address? He's trying to instill in this conviction in the parents. In the older generation, they saw everything God had done. But their kids haven't seen anything. It's their kids that were born out in the wilderness in the wanderings. Their kids need to know about all of this. So he's not just trying to get these guys to obey so that they can go into the promise. And he's trying to make sure that they have a, gener- a generational obligation to testify about God to the next generation. And then notice something else he does in verse 13. Verse 13, it says, If you carefully obey my commands I am giving you today, look at what the chief command is. To love the Lord your God and worship Him with all your heart and all your soul. You realize that's at the heart of the covenant. God wants your love. And love obeys. That's why obedience is involved. But that's why He wants our love. That's the chief part of the covenant. Remember in Deuteronomy 6, right? The Shema, one of the greatest commandments. Uh, the Lord, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment that Jesus confirms later on. Loving God is the chief way to obey the commandments. So keep those things in mind. The generational obligation, the the ignorance of the next generation, uh, of knowing what God has done, and and, and the, the heart of the covenant of loving God. Keep all of that in mind as we head into verse 18. Look at verse 18. All of that, imprint these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Bind them as a sign on your hands and let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates so that as long as the heavens are above the earth, your days and those of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give to their, your fathers. For if you carefully observe every one of these commands I am, I, I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to remain faithful to him, The Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will drive out nations greater and stronger than you are. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So so there's this theme of generational discipleship across all of this. As they're getting ready to head into the promised land, what's going to keep them there is generational discipleship, passing along this living faith to the next generations and the ones following making sure the next generation knows the stories and knows the principles, all these words. But notice where it starts. It started with the older generation. It starts with you. It starts with you. He he, he starts in verse 18. You, you imprint, put, push in these words of mind into where? Your minds and your hearts. Put them there, imprint them there, take them and and push them into your hearts and your minds. Bind them as a sign on your hands and a symbol on your forehead. Guys, the formation of your kids will always start with you. It always starts with your formation. 
with your growing in Christ-likeness. It's going to start with you taking God's word and, and tucking it into the deepest places of your heart to taking God's word and bringing it up here and letting it, meditating on it again and again, chewing the cud, right? Like making it come up again and again so that you're thinking about it over and over and over and printing them on your mind and on your hearts. As you remember... Uh, Teachers, you probably know this very well. Uh, kids, you guys have these nowadays as toys, right? Remember the little stamp and ink pad? Like you have this little ink pad that you can open up and it's got a pad full of ink and you just take your stamp and you go, Psh, and you can go put it all over anything. You can put it on your forehead. You can put it on your stamp, right? That stamp can only imprint what is on it. Can it not? It, I, I can't have a stamp of a little bunny, owl, little baby owl here and get this giant giraffe when I leave it. No, 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 no. Uh, a, a stamp can only imprint what it's formed in, what it's formed as. It's impossible for a parent to stamp God's word into the minds and into the hearts of their kids if the words of God aren't first on the stamp. Like, I can't pass along anything I don't have. My kids won't inherit a, a, a Quinjet. I don't got one. They're not going to get it. I, I, I can't form my kids into anything more than what I am. I can't lead them on trails that I haven't gone. Now, praise Jesus that he can, right? That, that our kids aren't limited to our little faith. That God can go after them regardless, but there's still a responsibility that we need to own. That's why we must first abide. We must take seriously our own relationships with the Lord to imprint His words on our minds and in our hearts. So, so basically we're talking about the memorization of Scripture. And I just lost half of you. It's hard, isn't it? The memorization of Scripture is a very difficult thing. Try memorizing one verse. I think I have, I have Hebrews 1 memorized and Colossians 3 memorized, and then I, I lost them. I can't remember them. It just, it just happens, right? But we often excuse it away, like, oh, my brain just doesn't work that way anymore. I just can't do it. Girl, please. <laughs> just real quick, can you finish these lyrics? Life is a highway. So you can memorize that? But not this? If you can memorize that, you can memorize this. So uh, I've, I've just come under the conviction that I need to be doing this for my own walk with Christ, but also for me to be able to be faithful to obey God's word when it comes to my own kids. And so I've uh, been working on memorizing Philippians 4.8. And it's a really hard one. It's that thing, that's that verse that talks about all the things you need to think about, right? And I just couldn't ever get them. I couldn't get them right. And so I decided I'm sitting in my office doing my own devotionals. I'm thinking, I'm going to make motions for it. And so I want you to follow me. You ready? Therefore, brothers, repeat after me too. All right, get your hands ready. Your hands freed up. No phones in your hands, no Bibles. You ready? Repeat after what I say. Therefore, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, 
Whatever is lovely, make a heart. Whatever is commendable. If there's anything morally excellent or praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Yeah, just do this real quick. Like, if you don't do good with motions, make a song out of it, right? Talk to my wife. You know how creative she is. It's ridiculous, right? Like, you just make a song out of nothing. So talk to her if you want some help, right? Just, or, or, or one of the things you could do is write God's word on your hand. I'm not kidding. Verse 18, bind these words as a sign on your hands. And let them be a symbol on your foreheads. You could go that far if you wanted to, right? Write a, a scripture verse on foreheads. I'm not actually advising that. But here's the thing. Back in ancient Israel, what they used to do is they, they made these little things called phylacteries. Can you say phylactery? And what it was was this little box, and it had a slip of God's word, a scripture verse on a little piece of paper that they would roll up or fold up, and they would tuck in that little phylactery. And they would take that little box, and they would bind it onto their wristbands, or they would tie it onto their head garments, or, or they would put it around their house to remind them to keep thinking about God's word. So one of the things that I used to do, uh, my, my, I don't remember if my mom, I think she didn't approve of it, I used to write in permanent marker, scripture verses on my hand to memorize so I could go along the way. I didn't need to have to pull out my phone because, you know, that thing's just a rabbit hole of all sorts of nastiness. But, but you just, oh, there's God's word. Oh, okay. I like it. Or putting little cards right next to your speedometer, right, that says, be godly as you drive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not a Bible verse. That's, that's Scott chapter 1 verse 1, right? But take seriously the memorization of God's word so you can take seriously the meditation of God's word. Right? I mean, Jesus is the one who said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, that's not a way to get you a new Lambo. Right? But that is a way for you to have God's word convincing you of what's good and you're asking him of those things. So one quick way to think about this as we're talking about discipling the next generation in your own relationship, memorize to abide. Can you say that? One, two, three. Memorize to abide. And that way, you'll be able to do the next part of what this passage says in verse 19. Teach these words to your children. Teach them. Note the difference in the commands. When it comes to you and your own heart and mind, you are commanded to imprint them. You're to push them in, to put them there. But for your kids, the command is to teach. It's to teach. In other words, you can't force God's word into your kid's heart and mind. You can't convince them of that. God has to be the one doing that. But my goodness, you can cast the seeds. Sow the seeds into the field regardless of what the condition of the field might be. But God has to do the imprinting. He's got to be the one that takes that word and pushes it down into soil that he's cultivated. This is your responsibility as parents, as guardians, as single moms and dads, right? And you're thinking, wait, 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 wait. I, 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 I thought that's what the church was for. I thought that's why I bring my kids on Sunday morning so you guys can take care of that. I mean, don't you have like a lot of volunteers? So you're saying, I've got the responsibility? Absolutely you do. 
Guys, think about it. What kind of pies are the best kinds of pies? Homemade pies. Free? <laughs> Actually, I think there's some studies that, that prove that or disprove it. I can't remember. But the best kinds of pies are the one that came out of your own oven or grandmama's oven. Homemade pies, right? Guys, you got to realize how much time your kids are spending being formed and shaped by things that are out of your control. You're the one who gets to spend the most time with them, apart from maybe a teacher at school. It's not us. We might get them two hours on a Sunday morning. Maybe one. It's you. And you're probably thinking, wait, wait, wait. So if I've got the responsibility, if the Lord's given me as a parent or a guardian the responsibility to to teach my kids his words, how am I going to find time for that? Well, Moses tells you, verse 19 and 20, teach them to your children. Read that talking about them when you sit down in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. So, so here's the big trick. Here's the big thing, the, the big solution Moses gives for the discipleship of the next generation, the overarching strategy for forming your kids like an arrow. It is simply this, repurpose neutral moments and spaces. You say that with me, one, two, three? Repurpose neutral moments and spaces. That's basically his instructions if you were to uh, fiddle them all down, right? Repurpose the idle times and the idle spaces, and you will craft your kid along the way. Take the idle times when you're together and and the certain spaces that you have in your own home and repurpose them, make them useful. I mean, if you look at this passage, there's kind of four things that he tells us here. Things that we can do to teach our kids God's word, to help form them and shape them in the neutral moments and with neutral spaces. So let's, let's take a look at them. The first one, he says, is what? Talk about God's word where? In your home. So let me just ask you a really wild question. Are you ready? Are there times when you're sitting in your home? Duh, right? What else do you do in your house besides sleep, sit, and eat, and, and whatever, right? You, you sit in your home. Hey, that's a great time to talk about the word of the Lord with your kids when you're sitting down in your house. Isn't that a something, right? Instead of pulling out your phone to scroll through the endless feed or turning on the TV, like you can just sit there and talk with your kid about God's word. It's an option that's on the table, it's pretty cool. You, you, one of the things that our family does, I know some of our families here do, is we do a skit sometimes. We'll act out a parable of Jesus. My kids love the, uh, the uh, Talitha get up, right? The, 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 the little girl one. They, they love me being the little girl getting healed. I don't know why. <laughs> but, but they love getting to act that one out. Or just sit, open up and read a, a, a Bible story to them. Use those neutral moments in your home. Repurpose those neutral moments. Turn off the TV. Put the phone on timeout. And bring your kid close. That's one way you can do it. Talk about God's word in your home. Another thing Moses says is talk about God's word where? Along the way. Here's another wild question. You ready? 
Do you have time when you're driving in a car or sitting in a car? Hey, there's a great time for you to talk about the Lord with your kids. You can, you can, you can do all sorts of stuff to, to make that a wasted time. Like you can turn on some Rascal Flats, right? Or you can turn on the news. Or you could turn on some Caleb. You could turn on some worship music. You could turn on some gospel songs. You can repurpose those moments. You know what they also do is there's some churches that make some really good kids' podcasts. Some of you don't know what that is. Don't worry about it. For those of you who do, podcasts, like kids' Bible story podcasts, they're dramas. You remember as old, the older generation, you guys remember sitting by the radio listening to the late night dramas, didn't you? They make those for kids now with God's word, and they're on your phone. Take them with you when you go. And play them in the car. One of the things that I try to do with my kids when we're going home from church is I try to ask my kids, hey, what did you guys talk about in Sunday school today? What did you, you talk about in kids' church this morning? And, and, and if, you're like, if, if your kids are anything like my kids, you might get something like, I don't know. They're just looking out the window. They don't want to talk. So you know what I do? I learned this from uh, one of my good friends who's a, an educator, a teacher. One of the things that you can do is you can say, oh, 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 I heard, did you learn about how purple elephants can fly and have 2,000 teeth? And they're like, no, we learned this. And you're like, ha, ha, gotcha. You just say something absolutely ridiculous. And they say, no, dad, it was this. And you're like, oh, okay, gotcha. Well, what does that mean? And you take time to talk about, well, where does it come from, God's word? And, and how do you want it to be lived out in your life, Right? Maybe you can talk about some ideas of how to do that. But talking about God and his word after practices, recitals, after school, whenever you're going along the way, talk about God and his word. Third thing he says, he says, talk about God's word when? When you lay down and when you get up. You see how accessible this is? Another really dumb question. Do you go to bed at night? Is there a day where you get up at least once? Yeah, absolutely. should be every day, or else you wouldn't be here. When you're tucking them into bed at night, when you're waking them up in the morning, when, 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 when you're at the dinner table, when you're at the breakfast table, talk about God with your kids. You know, I... I, I don't remember telling this to you. I may have shared this with you once, but the truth is I only have one life story that I can draw illustrations from, so I might have to repeat them several times just to, anyways. So I remember back when I was in middle school and high school, one of the things that my dad did is that he would get up every single morning and read through a devotional with us while we were having breakfast. Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> kids are getting up at like six something to go to school these days, right? And, and there, he's sitting there just reading this devotional with us every morning. And, and I can tell you this, I, I, I wasn't saved, I wasn't actually treasuring Jesus, I didn't treasure God's word, and so there was a season where I just got really mad at my dad because he was doing that. Why? I don't have a clue. But I would, I, I remember one morning where I was yelling at him before school saying, like, you are just wasting your time. I wasn't even listening Very next morning, he was up reading to us again. 
when you go to bed. Pray with your kids. Read them a story. Share a a quick truth from God's Word. Trust me, our kids' ministry has done an excellent job equipping all of you parents with resources and materials, and we're about to give you some more. We're about to give you, uh, in in a few weeks, a kids' version of the Pilgrim's Progress. Trust me, my kids have read it, and they love it, and I'm going to read it to them again. Take those neutral times and repurpose them. And stick it out, even if your kids yell at you and tell you how annoyed they are with you. But you see, Moses wasn't just talking about those neutral moments. He was also talking about neutral spaces. Look at verse 20. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Take these words and write them. In other words, make your home speak God's word. Guys, you have a lot of neutral space in your own home. You have a lot of neutral space on those walls. Unless you're uh, on HD, uh, HDTV all the time and you've already filled your walls with stuff. But you have doorposts, you have walls. You can fill your home with truth. But most often we fill them with trendy sayings like, home is where the heart is. Or, or, or I, life isn't measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. I read that off of one we have at our house. Or my favorite one, right? Just right next to the coffee maker. Hmm. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus and coffee. (laughs) You could do some trivial, trite things like that. Or you could fill your house with the Word of God and allow your walls to speak. His truth. Fill your homes with sayings from God's Word. So, for example, again, this may have been something I've already shared with you. I don't know. But again, one life that I lived. I can't share multiple stories from lives that I didn't live. My mom was, loved to decorate our house, and, and she often did it with God's Word. So, for example, um, in our guest bathroom, right across from the porcelain throne, uh, she put a little bucket and in the bucket was like one of those scent bags. And it had a picture of grapes on it. And it had a scripture verse on it. So that, I mean, remember this. We didn't really have phones in. If you were sitting down, doing the thing everybody does. <laughs> you didn't have your phone to entertain you. All you could do is just read the one thing that was there. And it was John fifteen five. Talk about knocking out two birds with one stone. That's why I memorized John 15, 2. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As a kid, I memorized that because God, like God used my parents to allow our home to speak his truth to us. So don't tell me that you can't repurpose those neutral spaces. Guys, I did the research. We have a Hobby Lobby just 32 minutes from here. It is 29.4 miles. They've got a ton of scripture art. Go put it up. Now, again, ladies, if you're thinking that this is just the excuse to go get a whole new furniture set and, and everything else, like just I'm not saying that, husbands, I'm sorry if they go wild. But the point is, let your home speak God's truth too. Because 
we, our parents, our, as, kid, as, as parents of kids, as, as grandparents, as guardians, as single moms and dads, we have that responsibility to craft our kids like they are arrows. And we can do this crafting with them while we're along the way, while we're doing life with them in our homes, uh, on the road, in our laying down, in our rising, and with our houses. So with that, I, I have just... Um, one last thing that I think needs to be shared to keep in mind as we're trying to implement this into our lives. Something that I think is vital for us to understand. We are not under the same covenant Moses and the Israelites were under. We are under a new covenant, a new arrangement with God, which means we are a gospel people not a law people. We are a grace people. We're not trying to keep obedience to the law to earn God's favor and be righteous enough to inherit the blessings. No, we are under a gospel of grace that isn't based on our performance or our goodness. Remember what we talked about with the kids last week? But on Christ and His fulfillment of the law and His righteousness. So we are not to be law-minded parents. We're not to be about simply teaching our kids moralism. I heard it once said, teach your kids only morals and you will have immoral children. Teach your kids the goodness of God and you will have godly children. You see, God's word His words, what he says, isn't simply just the do's and the don'ts. Now, there are some in there, right? But that's not all that we're to talk about with our kids. We're we're to talk about the gospel, this new covenant of grace, which which means that we're, we're trying to talk to our kids about two main things, gospel stories and gospel principles. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Gospel stories and gospel principles. Guys, the gospel is primarily a story, and it's primarily a principle. It's a story because every verse in the Bible is either building up to a presentation of or participation with the gospel. And here's what we'll say the gospel story is. It's a summation in four ways. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Say that with me. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Teach your kids about how God made everything that's good. Teach your kids about how he made them. And you'll confirm their identity. That's not one that they get to make on their own. It's one that they receive from some God who deeply loves them. Teach them about creation. Teach them about the fall. You'll address why their heart's so messed up and why the world's so crazy. Teach them about redemption, and that helps with relationships. Teach them about the restoration of all things, and that gives them a purpose. Tell them the story of the gospel. Convince them of it. Work hard to convince them of it. Because, guys, the gospel is so much better than anything. So we talk about gospel stories. But as we're doing these things and, and crafting our home and our, the environment for our kids to hear God's word, we're not just talking about stories. We're also talking about gospel principles. And one of the chief gospel principles 
is that we are saved by what? Grace alone. We are saved by grace alone, which means it's not our good works or our moral performance that gets us God's favor. It's Jesus' accomplishment. Imagine if they understood that that's how you were going to relate to them. Not only that, but we have another gospel principle here. Unconditional love. That if we trust in Christ Jesus, that God loves you so much that he's not going to keep a single record of your wrong, that he's not going to hold it up against you and keep you guilty. There's no condemnation. Meaning his love is absolutely unconditional for those who are in Christ. And it's not ever based on what you do wrong or fail to do right. Guys, imagine what that can do to your kids who, who's struggling with depression or loneliness. Imagine what it can do when you show them true forgiveness modeled in the heart of the gospel. Guys, we're working to teach our kids gospel stories and principles. Not just simply moralizing them. So for an example, right? The story of David and Goliath might be one that you share with your kids. Right? David stepped up and slayed Goliath with one stone out of the five that he drew from the brook. Right? You realize that that story is not about having the strength to slay the Goliaths in your life? It's not what that story is about. Don't moralize that story. Don't say, be like David. Tell them, no, you're more like everyone else in the army who, wouldn't, who couldn't conquer Goliath. No, no, instead of moralizing the story, gospelize the story, right? Because that story is about a substitutionary warrior who wasn't originally a part of that army, who steps in, takes on the mantle, slays the giant that no one else could, and his victory gets bestowed on everyone in the army. You see how gospelicious that story is? Gospel stories and gospel principles all pointing to Christ. Craft your kids with that. Repurpose the neutral moments and the neutral spaces with the good news of Christ Jesus. With those gospel stories and principles. Keep sowing the seeds of God's word over and over again. God's going to handle the soil type. As Jesus put it with his one parable, be like the wise man who builds his house upon the rock. Build your home upon the rock of Jesus and his word. Let's pray. Father, we love that you love us and that you loved us first before we loved you. That you found us in our wanderings in our rebellion and our pride and you offered up your son for our sake so that we who were sin could know him who was no sin who knew no sin and that he would take our sin for us and that in him we might become his righteousness and that one day we get to stand before you and present his righteousness this good gospel God we beg that you would equip us as, as this generation to equip the next generation, to teach the next generation of followers of Christ this good news of the gospel. Because we've seen it. 
It's our eyes that have seen the goodness of God. And we need our kids to see it too. So would you help us to testify in those neutral moments along the way in our homes, in our rising, in our going to bed. Allow our houses, our walls to speak your truth. Equip us with those things for our sake and for the sake of our kids. Please, God, get after the next generation. Every child that's in this church family, I pray they would have no need to wander away from the faith. Their hearts, I pray, would be captured by your beauty and the goodness of the gospel. And that's how they would relate to you all their days. Please, God, go after every one of our kids and go after these parents. Go after my heart too. Pursue us with your word and your spirit. We do love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you guys would stand, I'd like to pray a prayer of benediction over you. With that, if you have some time to kind of chill out here and and get to know some people, we'd love to meet you. If this is your first time here, we'd love to have some, some time where we just get to hear your story. There's some refreshments out in the cafe, so you can tide your hunger before lunch. But with that, um, if you need prayer, right, if, if you're needing prayer for encouragement or for healing, I'd love to pray with you. Please come meet me up here. I'd love to intercede on your behalf. We have some others who would join me as well in praying for you, so please come receive that free gift. The benediction today just comes from 2 Peter 3. It says this, may you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And all God's people said, love you guys. Have an incredible week. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.